going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones or a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. Thank you so much, Capital. It is going to be podcast, and we are going deep on all things NCAA football, specifically the college football playoff. The last one of this current playoff system, we are going to an expanded playoff a year from now where four conference champions will be guaranteed the top four spots, where a group of five team will be guaranteed a spot into the 12-team playoff. The last college football championship of this iteration where we have semifinals at bowl sites and then a final, we expand to a 12-team field a year from now where the six highest-ranked conference champions get in, and then you get a bunch of wild cards at large bids, but a guarantee spot for a group of five teams. So those small schools who go undefeated against nobody can measure up against the big boys of the sport to see how far they might advance. And we get games on campus to start the college football playoff. But that is a year from now. This year, after an outstanding Sugar Bowl with offensive fireworks between Texas and Washington, with Washington winning, and a really tough physical Rose Bowl with Michigan outlasting Alabama in overtime, we get the Big Ten champions in Michigan and the Pac-12 champions in Washington who are going to the Big Ten next year if you're scoring at home. This is now a Big Ten on Big Ten matchup. Imagine that, a team from Michigan and a team from the Pacific Northwest and Washington in the same conference. We get to see them in the same game right now for the college football championship. And so, Given this intro, you understand that a lot is changing in the world of college football, which has us with two teams who haven't won a championship in the BCS era, but two teams set up to be really competitive for a long time. To help us break it down is Adam Rittenberg, senior writer for ESPN and ESPN Plus on all things college football. He's a host of Sirius XM College Sports Radio, Channel 84, and he's our guest as we go deep on the national championship game between Michigan and Washington in the state of college football at large. So, Adam, I believe this college football championship game is the reward we all get uh, for sitting through a bunch of bad bowl games, quite frankly. Uh, before we talk about this matchup and what it you know, might mean for not only this year, but the next uh, phase of this level of the sport, what do you make of you know, some of the comments we've seen, not just from fans, but from coaches, whether it's Chip Kelly and Kirby Smart um, and how we got to a place where uh, what it used to be our most favorite time of the year in college football is, is something that has been a bit of a slog. Yeah, it's definitely different. And you know, certainly the high profile bowl games that are not part of the college football playoff are probably suffering the most. I think, 
it's important for people to realize like what bowl games are now and 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 look at them in a different light if they're going to remain at this point in the calendar because unless the uh the the cycle of of player movement shifts out of december you're going to have notable players not be on the field for these bowl games because they're more interested in finding their new home or beginning their preparation to to the NFL. So um, unless you create a playoff system that encompasses a lot more bowls, we obviously know there are going to be more uh, involved in the 12-team playoff than there are in the 14-team playoff. I I don't see there's a way around this um, other than maybe shifting some bowls to the beginning of the season. I mean, that's one, one thing you could do. It's radical, but then you would ensure that players would participate um, because it would be the first game and uh, in a long season as opposed to after the uh, regular season for a lot of these guys and and a lot of them are interested in moving uh, and transferring uh, to to, to their new uh, team so that that's the reality of these bowls Um, it's unfortunate uh, but I think it's also an opportunity for younger players to uh, to surface and if we look at these bowls more in the light of well this is where this team is going it, 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 it can kind of have a different effect if you look at it that way. Uh, I try to remind people who forget because we are in such a microwave society that no system we've had has been close to perfect. In our lifetime, we had a system where the national championship was decided by a poll. We had to wake up the next Mormon to figure out who it was. It was split sometimes between two teams. Like we've never had a, a great system. Um, this obviously doesn't seem ideal. There's so many aspects to that. Let's talk about the Florida State aspect, where um, no matter what happens, either side thinks they're right. You know, Florida State fans say, "Well, that wasn't a real team, and you know, we could have done better than Alabama in that game." Or on the flip side, people say, "Well, you just got destroyed by Georgia, um, and you wouldn't have had your whole team because your best player would have been injured uh, regardless." Uh, we're gonna have expansion, which is gonna eliminate some of those conversations, but. I also don't know if I want to see any more Penn State play football. And if it, we were having extended playoff, they might have been in the playoff uh, this year. With the expansion, do you think it's going to eradicate these conversations or just change where in the ranking systems we have them? Well, yeah, I think for the most part, uh, you're going to see teams in the playoff that are excited to be there and that are exciting to watch. Um, keep in mind, you're going to have playoff games on campus for the first time, which most people agree is going to be a an incredibly positive change to the postseason system. You, you know, generally you don't see players opting out in the postseason. There are a few. Uh, obviously, Texas's backup quarterback went into the transfer portal before the semifinal to find a new home at, at Duke, which he did. And I think that's really unfortunate because you don't want to have a postseason that players don't you know all want to be a part of or they all can't be a part of. So, um, but but I think. You know, there's going to be debates. There always are, but it's going to be uh, less heated debates. So you're not going to have a conference champion of a major league like the ACC, especially an undefeated conference champion. That's not part of a 12-team playoff. That's just not realistic. So uh, I, I think that's. It's also going to be a more national playoff, which is what I've been advocating for for some time. To me, the best teams are going to win. Like that's that's how college football works. But to ha- to have it be so exclusive, and in some years you know, only including three conferences or an independent and, 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 and two conferences. I think there was a year where Notre Dame was in where only two other conferences are represented. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you, there's been no playoff system in any sport of real consequence that doesn't encompass the nationalness 
of that sport, whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, uh, and, and certainly in the NCAA tournament and college uh, basketball, those are national events. The college football playoff has not been that. It's going to be closer to that in the future. There'll still be a lot of SEC teams, a lot of Big Ten teams, but it'll be a national playoff or closer to it than it's been so far. What's funny, you talk about it being a national playoff and, you know, how odd it is that really in the past only two conferences have been represented. The way things are trending, the SEC and Big Ten are basically going to be national conferences. That They're going to be so big and have so many teams, uh, so many good teams that essentially most of the favorites uh, in that playoff will be from uh, those conferences. I, I really mourn the loss of the Pac-12. I'm rooting for Washington, you know, for no other reason that it might be a little romantic that they go out. Um, you know, what does the the loss of a historic brand in, in the Pac-12 mean for uh, the future of the sport moving forward? Yeah, it's it's devastating. I grew up on Pac-12 football. That was my introduction to college football was through that, that league, Pac-10 at the time. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's incredibly sad that that league is is dissolving. There's only two um, teams that, that not find new homes. And so they're going forward as a as a group of two in Oregon State and Washington State. Washington, you know, certainly it'd be great for them to, to win in, in the, the final year of the Pac-12. But they were a big part of, of, of the group that, that left this summer and, and, and them in Oregon really kind of pushed that 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 apart. It seemed like other. Other uh, uh, schools were a little bit more excited about staying in the conference. So it, it's it, it's a real unfortunate situation where you had a combination of very poor leadership, uh, you know, media environment was changing. Uh, I think you had a, a really uh, ineffective group of presidents and chancellors in that conference that didn't make the right decisions and didn't have the foresight needed to um, to decide things at certain times that could secure the the uh, the conference for the future and um, yeah it just it, it's it should never have happened uh, I, you know again no league should should really dissolve but if if a league were to dissolve historically the Big 12 would have made a lot more sense than the Pac 12 the Pac 12 was seen as a much more stable league at least when I was growing up. Uh, but, you know, it, it's gone through a, a rough period on the field, and certainly the leadership and decisions away from that have, have, have fallen way short. I hesitate to say this because another program that's gone through a rough period in their own eyes uh, is Alabama, which seems ridiculous because they were overtime away from being in the national championship game. They won their conference championship, one of, if not the hardest conference to win in the country, beating the defending national champions. Yet in that market, all they're talking about is three years without a title and, you know, questioning Nick Saban, who has more titles than anybody else coaching the sport. Is I suppose there might be some credence to the fact that this Alabama team had more five-star recruits than the entire Big Ten, and although they were talented on paper, they, they certainly uh, didn't reach those heights on the field. What do you make of what's going on with the Crimson Tide and, and potentially Nick Saban's appetite to continue uh, to do this moving forward? Well, yeah, it's not it's not completely broken, but there's there's flaws there. This was probably Nick Saban's um, one of his his most uh, flawed teams, really the last two years, uh, even though you had Bryce Young and Will Anderson last year, it was a team that had trouble with penalties. You know, this year's team and you saw it in the in the semifinal against Michigan 
really struggled to protect uh, Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, the receiving core was was maybe not as exceptional as Alabama is used to. Um, you know, defensively they were still pretty good, and uh, and they showed that um, to, to 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 win an SEC championship, but ultimately couldn't make a stop there at the end. So we hold them to such a high standard in part because of Saban, in part because of the recruiting, which has been historically elite here lately. And for whatever reason, it hasn't translated. So I think the areas, uh, two areas that certainly have to improve going forward are offensive line and wide receiver for Alabama to win another national championship, maybe before Saban retires. Um, They're not far away, like you said, but I think most people that watched Georgia and watched Alabama this year if both teams are at full strength, would would go with Georgia to 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 beat Alabama, but that wasn't the case, and Georgia was limited. And Alabama, to its credit, took advantage in the most important game, and also had Michigan, a team that I think is better than Alabama this year on the ropes. And Michigan, you know, found a way to respond there at the end. So it'll be interesting to see what Saban does personnel-wise, coaching-wise, uh, to get his uh, his organization in position to compete and win a championship in the 12-team playoff era. It, it was odd watching the game because I felt like Michigan out Alabama Alabama in terms of dominating the line of scrimmage, in terms of, you know, having a real strong spine of, of their defense up the middle with, you know, middle linebackers and safeties. Remember when they were important in football? But when you look at how Michigan and Jim Harbaugh has built it, you know, they've really built it by developing players year over year and getting incrementally better, something that, you know, in the microwave transfer portal era it hasn't really happened uh, in the same way. It's not long ago Michigan was asking for, Harbaugh to take a pay cut and potentially asking why he wasn't able to beat Ohio State and now he has them one win away from another national championship. What sticks out to you about the turnaround of uh, things in Ann Arbor? Yeah, I think uh, you know, certainly there are elements of Jim Harbaugh that he deserves credit for sticking with. Um, his philosophies generally they play similarly to where they did early in his time there. But I think a couple of things. They they reshaped their coaching staff. They brought in a lot of younger assistants. Uh, they were able to uh, be very smart in the transfer portal and bring in, you know, they, they wouldn't bring in, you know, droves of transfers, but they would be targeted in who they went after. And, you know, for example, this year, they lose a lot of quality offensive linemen off of last year's team. They go out and get two starters. I think maybe three starters at, at times out of the transfer portal. That's hard to do. They addressed that that position. And also just the fact that J.J. McCarthy came along. He was the first elite-level quarterback recruit under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. He had not gotten that position to the next level. You know, They had a team in 2016, if you remember, loaded with NFL uh, draft picks, maybe more top-end talent than this year's team, although coaches think that this year's team has 15 to 20 uh, draftable guys as well. They weren't good enough at quarterback ultimately that year. You know, so you bring in J.J. McCarthy, you develop him, uh, you, you give him the opportunity to you know, run with that job as that he did early last season. And, and that, that certainly solidified that, the, the quarterback spot for Michigan. So it, it's a number of things, but you, know, you give Harbaugh credit because that program was in a real rough uh, place at the end of 2020. And now three years later, they're sitting here playing for a national championship. You know, there are many people that believe the member of this team that's going to be working in in the NFL well before the draft in the spring is, in fact, Jim Harbaugh. And you don't hire, you know, Don Yee as an agent to renegotiate with Michigan because you're 
work on the field almost negotiates for itself. Given uh, the sanctions that very well uh, could could continue to come, um, he, he, what are the, the likelihood for you uh, that his exit is uh, this national championship game and that he goes back to the pro game? Well, I think it's certainly possible, if not likely, um, because of the jobs that are already open and the jobs that soon will open and the fact that he's made it fairly clear that his um, his desire is to uh, is to coach in the NFL. Um, he's 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 tried uh, that route here the last two offseason. It certainly looked like he was going to go to the Vikings back in early 2022. Um, but you have to have somebody that says yes. And uh, I think because of the success that Jim has had at Michigan combined with his NFL success, I mean, you know, whatever number of jobs that are open this year, you can't find, at least in my opinion, uh, five or six more qualified coaches than Jim Harbaugh. So whoever gets those jobs, and I know there's a lot of buzz around, you know, a guy like Ben Johnson at, at the Lions, obviously a great, you know, young, young play caller, but he's not, he doesn't have the resume Jim Harbaugh has. And, and really the guys who would be hired for a lot of these jobs for the most part would not have the resume Jim Harbaugh has. So it's really up to the NFL team to say, it's Jim Harbaugh. He's different. We have to be comfortable with that. And we're going to give him that opportunity. And I think if that happens, he will move on from Michigan and Michigan will move on from him and and have to to reboot a little bit next year. But um, what a way, uh, and I know there's obviously a lot of controversy around um, what's going on with the NCAA investigations, but what a way to go out, uh, you know, elevating Michigan to its first national championship since uh, before the BCS era. You referenced it earlier in, in the conversation about how, you know, college football used to pick a national champion off of the polls. Like that was the last time Michigan won one. They didn't win one in the BCS era. They didn't even make the college football playoff until 2021. Who created that success ultimately is Jim Harbaugh. You know, uh, I look at the the Washington team that they're facing off with, and to me, they have some similarities to that 2019 LSU team that just went on a magical run. But I, I don't know about you. I don't know if I appreciated them until I saw them in the NFL and said, man, Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were all on that team. And now look what they're doing, thriving as pros. Um, when you look at Washington specifically, that offense, um, what sticks out to you? Well, yeah, it, it's an offense that certainly you could make some parallels with LSU. I, I don't know if anyone's playing as well as Joe Burrow was at the end of the 2019 season, but Michael Penix, you know, 430 yards against Texas, if he's able to replicate that, Maybe we will make those comparisons because um, they are rolling right now on offense. And, uh, you know, that receiving core it looks like the best in college football. And, you know, defensively, they're solid enough. I think the LSU defense was better that year than Washington's defense is. But um, Washington doesn't need its defense to be, uh, you, know, you know, truly elite because of how dynamic they are on the offensive side. So yeah, it's exciting for people who maybe didn't see as much of them, even though they were in a lot of big games this year. Oregon game. The first one was one that got a lot of national attention, but you know, Oregon State on the road, um, Arizona early in the year. We didn't know how good Arizona was, but that was a pretty good win that Washington had. But if you haven't seen Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan, obviously Michael Penix Jr., um, you really haven't been paying attention to college football. So it's exciting for uh, for them to to uh, to get their due. But you know, I think I, there's a number of these guys that are going to go on to the NFL, whether it's Michael Penix. Roman Dunze, several of these offensive linemen will play in the league. 
tight end position is very good. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, uh, future NFL players on that Washington offense. You know, I look at Penix Jr. and granted you know, some injury uh, concerns was nicked up a bit this year. I had the two ACLs and a bunch of injuries, uh, you know, older profile, certainly as a player. But I look at him and what he's doing and the complexity of both the offense, but the, the level of throws and tight coverage. And I think we all probably made a bit of a mistake, you know, not looking at CJ Stroud and say, well, he's the best pocket passer in the sport. Let's not nitpick him. Uh, let's just understand that. What do you think Penix Jr. has done for his draft stock and his ability, you know, to, to be a starting QB day one uh, in the NFL? Yeah, I think it's just going to come down to the medical evaluations. I mean, he can, he can make every throw on the field. He's the best deep ball thrower in the sport. Um, he's played a ton of college football. Now, certain NFL teams don't like the idea of drafting an older quarterback. I wrote about this for ESPN um, last spring uh, that, you know, with Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker and some of these Will Levis, some of these older quarterbacks, there, there's a hesitancy there. But um, if, I think because of what he's been able to do the last two years, staying relatively healthy, um, you know, really staying healthy on the whole, other than I think a little bit in, in November this year, um, and, and, and showing that elusiveness, you know, Texas generated pressure against him. Texas, I think had 20 pressures, uh, but they couldn't get him to the ground and those little movements in the pocket, stepping up in the pocket, evading a rush. Like that's what you're going to have to do in the NFL. It's I, again, it, it's ultimately how those fees uh, are checked out. And, and if, if they don't check out uh, to the liking of NFL teams, it's going to hurt his draft stock because you're ultimately investing in someone for their uh, for their physical health, not just their ability to play the position. But if if they do check out, I think he's absolutely worked his way into a first round uh, type situation because of what he's done the last two years, especially if he can get Washington all the way to a national championship. Yeah, Kenny Pickett currently not helping those older quarterbacks uh, coming out in, in the NCAA. And so he's, uh, Penix would be a 24-year-old rookie similar to picking his scenario. What I love about this class in terms of QBs is, one, there's a bunch of teams that need them. But two, um, you know, there are different styles and depending on your appetite. When you look at Williams and Drake, who, you know, everyone has, you know, one, two, uh, although we'll probably, because we have nothing else to do, you know, debate that now leading up to draft, you know, Daniels, Penix Jr., McCarthy, and Knicks. If you're putting together a, a draft board of those six, uh, what order would it be in? Okay, go through it again. Sorry. Uh, uh, Caleb Williams, the... Drake, you know, Jane Daniels, Penix Jr., AJ McCarthy, and Bo Nix. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I probably re would reluctantly go with Caleb Williams at number one. I have some concerns there, but he's got the best combination of arm and elusiveness and can just make every throw. So I'd probably go Caleb one, um, uh, Drake Bank two, although I would really consider putting Drake May at one. I think he's going to be very, very good in the NFL. Um, Jaden Daniels at three. Um, Bo Nix at four, Michael Penix at five, and J.J. McCarthy at six. I, I don't know what to do with J.J. McCarthy because I, I think, again, I think, you know, his mental makeup is great. He's a great guy, a great leader. He's extroverted. Some of these – not all of these guys are super extroverted. J.J. certainly is. I just have not seen enough of the deep ball passing, which you have to do in the NFL. Um, uh, and, and, and that's, that, that, that to me is, is maybe the holdup on JJ McCarthy, but, um, and then, you know, again, I, I really think about moving Michael Penix up, 
but I just would need to know about the medical evaluation because he's certainly shown uh, he he's one of the top quarterbacks in the sport right now. Do you think someone like JJ McCarthy, despite what happens in this national championship game, would benefit from staying in school and not only having the cash cleared in terms of all of these, you know, high level quarterbacks, you know, similar to it was very clear that Shooter Sanders was not going to, you know, come out this year, but going back and probably going back to a Michigan team that will ask him to, to have to do more um, a year from now. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting decision with JJ. I mean, he's so close to Harbaugh and if Harbaugh doesn't come back, even though he's obviously tight with Sharon Moore and Kirk Campbell's done a really nice job uh, stepping in as quarterback coach this year, um, it just feels like an endpoint. Uh, and, uh, you know, unless he gets an evaluation that you know, he loves Michigan. And, and I think, again, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me necessarily if he goes back there. But because of all the changes and likely changes, we know there'll be some changes for sure from a personnel standpoint. Um, I, I think he'll probably move on to the NFL. Uh, and lastly, your read on the game. Uh, you know, I look at Washington and how they got here and, you know, they really zero five stars, but with a lot of NFL talent in Michigan, who's just been rolling and has seemed to almost been fueled by all the controversy around them and, and had a us against the world uh, mentality. Um, where do you lead in terms of, you know, this this matchup of, uh, you know, offensive firepower and a, a movable object? Yeah, I think I think it could certainly go either way. I think it's gonna be a close game. Um, I, I I'm leaning a little bit more towards Michigan just because I think it was such a big hump for them to get over to beat Alabama um, on, on the national stage. Uh, you know, and I, I qualify that in saying you know Kalen DeVore doesn't lose big games. He's undefeated against ranked opponents against Washington. He won national championships at the NAIA level early in his uh, his head coaching career. Um, so it's it's a you can really make a good case for either team, but I think Michigan with their ability to control the clock in their run game, JJ McCarthy uh, playing well at the end of that Alabama game, and then a more complete defense than Washington. They just have more talent throughout their defense front to back, and I just love the way they were able to get to the passer. That was uh, an area where Washington, you know, Braylon Trace is a terrific pass rusher, but I don't think they have the volume of of guys who can. Uh, disrupt J.J. McCarthy like Michigan has that could disrupt Michael Penix. So, again, don't feel great about it, but I'm going with Michigan. I love it. Uh, and lastly, you know, you've you've been around the sport for a long time. You've covered it. Um, you know, you've been a fan. Um, and it, although it it's at its height, you know, so much of the conversation is the fact that what we have now is somewhat flawed. It doesn't work for everyone. If if anyone, uh, you know, Chip Kelly had some really interesting thoughts about maybe we go away from the conferences. We play regionally. We have other, uh, you know, sports teams back in their conferences because it doesn't make sense for a women's field hockey team to get on a plane and go across the country uh, just because it makes sense for football and TV contracts. Um, I never thought we'd have NIL. I, I thought that was just something that would never uh, be broached. And, and here we are. So I, I know things certainly can change. There is no commissioner of college uh, football, which maybe is an issue. But if there was one and they add, they asked, Adam, your advice for a solve uh, for all parties, what do you think makes sense? Um, I, I think it's too far down the road to uh, walk it back. 
um, I, 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 I would go with full, full blown employment uh, with contracts. I think that's the only way that you can regulate the personnel picture to a point where coaches know who's on their team year to year. So you offer contracts and recruiting um, with, with, you know, that someone has to commit to, if you want to bet on yourself, great. You can do a one-year contract. If both sides are good with that, that that's fine. Uh, otherwise, if you're, if you're signed to three years, you got to stay for three years. So um, I think that's the only way because uh, it just feels like legally you're in a very weak position. If you try to limit player movement or limit player earning a capacity, uh, th those legal challenges all seem to be going the way of the, of the athletes. And it just speaks to how the NCAA got so far behind um, in, in this process and, and why we are where we are. But I think it's very difficult what's going on right now because of all the player movement, all the money that's being thrown around. It's, it's an unregulated system. And I think one way that might be able to regulate it, even though I know it's seen as a bridge too far for some in the sport, is to have full-blown employment with actual contracts. It's a fascinating and smart answer, and it's just so ironic that not long ago, students at Northwestern said, we are employees, we should have a union, and uh, the coaches said, no, you're, you're students first, and uh, this is about, you know, U.S. student-athletes, and now coaches are complaining that they have to re-recruit their own players, so uh, we'll find out where this all nets out. Uh, regardless, we'll continue to uh, read you uh, and watch you as you cover the sport at such a high level, so thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Adam Rittenberg has Michigan. I am going with Washington. Maybe I'm just romantic. Maybe I don't love the cheating scandal, but I just would love to see the Pac-12 ending with a Pac-12 team winning a national championship. We'll see how it goes down. But either way, for coverage of it and coverage of the busy college football offseason that we just described, give Adam Rittenberg a follow at ESPN Rittenberg, R-I-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G on Twitter. Uh, and you can find his work, as I mentioned, on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. And you can listen to him on College Sports on Sirius XM Radio Channel 84. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, so make sure to like, favorite, share, and subscribe. We are like college football recruits. We only want five stars. So when you are giving your ratings, whether it's on Spotify or Apple, give us a five star. And when you're on your phone, make sure you follow me, but also show the producer of said show and a host of many shows across the Sportsnet Radio Network at SNS Ali is his handle on X. Eventually, I'll be able to remember to say X and not Twitter. But you know what I'm talking about. The app on your phone that is somewhat toxic. We'll be back with sports conversations that certainly are not toxic. Thanks for listening.